Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back, everybody. Another episode of this totally occasional green room podcast. <laughs> uh, we've been a little bit, uh, a little, little slacking off on that front. It's been a little crazy busy. We didn't get a chance to do an MSU football preview. So I guess this will serve as a little bit of that. But uh, coming off, uh, we're uh, recording this on Sunday morning, September 5th, two days after Michigan State opens the season. On the road in Northwestern, 38-21 Spartans. Um, Tony Paul, the Detroit News, joined by Matt Charbonneau, our esteemed beat writer uh, who uh, was out there in Evanston, Illinois. Uh, impressive showing by the Spartans, particularly the running game. Uh, Kenny Walker, um, 200 and a lot of yards. <laughs> what was the number, Matt? 200 and a, 200 and a lot. Yeah, it was two, 264, the seventh, seventh most in a single game. Yeah, well, what impressed me most, obviously, he broke broke from the line of scrimmage uh, the very first play, offensive play of the season, which just kind of turned the page on uh, on, on last season. Uh, you know, he 260 yards. He, um, I mean, he he broke last year's uh, season <laughs> rushing leader uh, yeah. in one game. Uh, good to see transfer from Wake Forest. I think a lot of people were intrigued by him. I don't know that his announcement that he was coming to Michigan State totally uh, shook the Big Ten landscape, uh, but it was notable and uh, clearly some talent on that end. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously it didn't take – look, we, we've kind of expected a little bit of this from him. Now, yeah, no one's going to predict he's going to take the first hand off of his Michigan State career and go 75 yards. But, um, you know, we've been seeing this a little bit in practice. You saw it a little bit at Wake Forest last year. I mean, the guy scored 13 touchdowns last year, so it's mm -hmm. not like it's not like this is all new to him. Still, when you when you put it in the frame of Michigan State and their running attack, not just last year, but the last couple of years, I mean, we all know they've had issues on the offensive line, but they haven't had a running back with with the vision that this guy's had. I mean, if we even go beyond the first play. And he still ran for about 189 yards on like about 22, 23 carries uh, the rest of the way. I mean, that alone is a hell of a day. And but just watching the guy, seeing his vision, seeing the holes, he knows when to make a cutback. We just haven't seen that from a Michigan State running back. So it felt kind of like this, oh, what, what, what are we watching here? You know, we haven't just seen that in so long um, that it felt kind of refreshing. And it's amazing. We say it all the time, but you're able to run the ball what it does for that offense um, is pretty impressive. Now, look, we we can go down the line and say how much is this is about how much better Michigan State is, and how much of it is that Northwestern lost a lot of guys from that yeah, team last this year. Isn't, yeah. This isn't Northwestern from last year. We get that, right? Um, but yeah, but still, still for yeah, you, it, just the way Michigan State has—I don't even want to say how they've run the ball the last couple of years because it's been a disaster. So to see that against anybody, any Division One opponent, felt. 
um, felt kind of refreshing and, and gave you a heck of a lot more promise for this offense that's been really bad the last couple of years. So, I, it, you know, where this goes, whether they're able to do it consistently, we'll figure that out as we go. But I, you can't be anything but encouraged by what you saw, not just Kenneth Walker, but that offensive line, Jarrett Horse being there clearly makes a difference at left tackle. The other thing that was interesting that I thought they were going to go with the five offensive linemen starting and that was going to be it. They played up like nine guys and, um, you know, I gave them all a hard time too, before the season They're, they got experience, you know, well, I, how much does that experience matter when you weren't very good right. and all that experience? Well, they yeah. were pretty good Friday night. So again, we'll see, can they do that against some of the better defensive lines? They'll start to see it in a couple of weeks in Miami. Um, you know, the early schedule is not that bad, so we'll see, but pretty encouraging, uh, to say the least from not just Walker, but that entire offensive line. No, the offensive line dominated the game and, uh, and, uh, it was impressive. Um, but you're right about experience just because the experience doesn't mean you're any good. I have experience playing golf. Doesn't mean I'm any good. <laughs> um, so, um, uh, so, I mean, Walker was obviously the main story. The, 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 the secondary story was who they went with to start at quarterback. They went with Peyton yeah. Thorne. Um, not much of a surprise or what, what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, and, and what did you see from him? Yeah, I guess I don't want to say a surprise. Now I was saying all along it was going to be Anthony Russo. So, you know, right out of the gate, I'm wrong before they even take a snap. The reason I was saying Anthony Russo is because they appeared to be pretty even and, and you don't bring in a grad transfer like that um, and not give him every chance to win the job. So I had said, if Peyton Thorne is clearly the better quarterback, he'll play. So what we, what we saw throughout camp, they were pretty close. Clearly he was better, right? I mean, Mel Tucker's not going to play some guy who's not playing better just because he brought him in as a transfer. Um, so, you know, obviously Peyton Thorne being the guy, I, 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 I always said that was going to be my pick if I was making the pick, but nobody's paying me to make the pick. Um, so I, I think that was, you know, probably the, the choice a lot of fans wanted and look, Anthony, I mean, Peyton Thorne was, was pretty good. I mean, he wasn't spectacular. Um, it didn't need to be in this right. game, but he, you know, missed a couple throws, but he made, you know, a few good throws, a couple of those drives, you know, there was one, uh, late, I want to say late first quarter, he was five of six on the drive and that's late second quarter probably. Um, and that's really what got the drive going. He was really in a rhythm. So you see it, you saw him, you know, a lot of the good things he does gets out of the pocket, you know, extends plays can, can make stuff happen with his feet. Um, I, I think it's, I think it was a really good start for him having that running game though. It's amazing how much that helps. And he talked about that after the game too, that it just makes everything easier. So, you know, he, he was exactly what they needed Friday night. Now there's probably going to be games down the road where they're going to need him to be, you know, the dude making the big throws and, and kind of carrying that team. Um, we'll see if he can do it, but you know, pretty good start for him. And, and the big key, of course, he didn't turn the ball over. I mean, right. Michigan state made a habit of, you know, gift wrapping things last, last year, set seven turnovers that first game <laughs> against Rutgers. So that was the big key. Don't turn it over. He didn't make oh, any God, silly. Yeah. That. He didn't make any bad decisions there. They did get the one turnover late when Harold Joyner got his head almost torn off, which I still can't understand why it wasn't a penalty because he didn't get hit with the guy's helmet. Whatever. I, I If you ask me to explain the targeting rule, I, I have no idea because the poor kid got destroyed. Anyway, that was the only turnover. Um, and that, that stat right there was probably as important as anything for this team because they were horrible giving the ball away last year. So... That that was a big step for them as well. 
Right. Peyton Thorne, 1525 for 185 yards. Like you said, not tremendous, but it didn't have to be. They obviously focused on the running game and Kenneth Walker, 264 yards, 23 carries. Um, receiving wise, Reed made a couple nice catches. Um, one really good one early. Um, Hayward, man, it's just so weird the trajectory of his, <laughs> of his career. Like, I mean, just he's there and then he's gone and then he's there. And then he made a couple nice plays uh, as well. Defensively, I don't think you can be overly thrilled, um, yeah. you know, with what they did. I mean, they gave up over 100 yards rushing, almost 300 yards passing. Uh, well, but when you're coming into the, this season after last season, you know, you didn't, you know, last season was a little bit of a mixed bag, mostly bad, but they did have a couple of nice wins. But uh, it's certainly a good way to start the season. I think Spartan fans probably feel a little bit better today than they did three days ago. Yeah, they, I mean, they got to be optimistic. Go, but going back to Connor Hayward real quick, it's funny. I, I feel like I've made this analogy before, and people get, just get so upset with him when he was the running back. Because guess what he's not? He's not a running back. He's not a, you know, your bell cow tailback. And I, I, I always liken it to Kenny Goins back in the day when, you know, his sophomore year or so, he's like 6'6", having to play center. And people are all bent out of shape at Kenny Goins. It's like the dude ain't a center. You know, he's playing a position there because they don't have anybody. And, you know, and then you saw what his career became late when he was playing where he was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And Connor Hayward, look, the way they're using him now, that's how you use this guy. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like a little H back, kind of a tight end slot receiver here and there. The guy can make some plays. He had a great first down run where he caught the ball, I don't know, three, four yards short of the first down marker. And he dragged three guys over the, you know, for the first down. I mean, if you're using him for those things, that's what he's perfect for. Um, and as far as the defense, you're right. I mean, there was some deep, deep balls they gave up, which they've got to clean up for sure. Um, but a lot of those, a lot of those yards that Hunter Johnson threw for were coming late where I, I know people hate hearing about the prevent, but you're at a point where you're up three scores. Mm-hmm. The whole po- the, as big as anything is chew up the clock. So one right. of those, la- one of those last Northwestern scoring drives, it took them eight minutes to score. Mm-hmm. So you know, he was piling up a bunch of yards in there where it was kind of like, fine, we'll give you eight, nine, ten yards as long as that clock keeps rolling. Um, so I, I think some of those yards are a little misleading, but there's certainly things. Yeah, the deep I mean, ball hurt just, him. Yeah, yeah, it's just not crisp. That's all. I'm not yeah, yeah. Was, I'm not saying it was yeah. awful. I'm saying that, you know, definitely well, room room to improve on that. Yeah, and it's first game. Johnson's, and, yeah. you know, he's not a bad quarterback. I mean, well, he's well, he was a highly rated quarterback. Anytime he's played, he hasn't exactly. Uh, uh, this is clearly his best game as a yeah, college he, starter. Yeah, he played pretty well, but I mean, you too. You had. I mean, you look on that defense. You had a, a pretty decent amount of those transfers that were that were starting and playing in big roles. Whether it was Corvaris Crouch at linebacker, you had Ronald Williams at corner, um, some guys up front. So some a lot of these guys have been here like a grand total of two, three months. Mm -hmm. So some of it, yeah, you're going to see some growing pains early. Some of the the miscues and and missed assignments, I don't think you're going to see three, four weeks from now. Um, So, you know, there's a little bit of that. So you expected some of these growing pains, but, you know, so overall it was a solid defensive effort. I think you're right, but certainly showed a lot of things uh, that need to get cleaned up those, those deep balls in particular. Um, and we'll see about the corners like Ronald Williams and Kalen Gervin went the whole way at corner. And we talked all, you know, off season about how many corners they brought in. So, you know, we'll see if that, if that continues, if they rotate some guys in, we'll have to see, but you know, overall, an, an, I would say an okay, an acceptable start for the defense. I'd, I'd put it that way. Yeah. Most important issue of the game. What did you make of the script helmets? 
I have an opinion on this. I have an opinion on the script helmet. I like the script helmets. I like that look. I think it's cool. Yeah. I like it when the I like it when the basketball team wears it. But I really wish they could could have got the script helmet like to match like the whiteness of the jersey. Like it was like off. Was it, it was off? Like, okay. If it looked off, it looked like the whitish, the white on the script helmets was kind of like a light cream color. And yeah. as opposed to the white jersey, I'm like, okay, if we're gonna do this nice script helmet, let's at least get them to match um match the, the jersey so if you could put they, in a yeah. word, on, word on that front that would be good um they i like the, i like yeah. i like northwestern's helmets actually I, a lot of people didn't i thought they were kind of cool but, i didn't pay uh, a lot of attention to those i the, the white too like they used to have a few years ago like a, one of their green jerseys the green helmets whatever iteration of it it was always bugged me too because it didn't exactly match no you when, gotta get them to match i mean yeah and it was saying like I was like, didn't they make these all at the same time, or like uh, they had yeah. the jersey before and the helmet later? I so yeah. yeah, I heard some people talking about they like the script, the you know the yeah, that that's cool the style. I but was like yeah, but it's just it was just if you look at it, it just is you know because the jerseys are so sparkling white. Like how yeah. how do you get your white so white? You know? <laughs> I mean, uh, but the, the the helmets were just they just had this more of a cream shade to them, and I was like, yeah, yeah I wish they I wish they matched. But I do like when they go with the script. Well, some um, people, I guess, were complaining or not complaining, but didn't love like the so the script state, but then the Michigan state on the front of the jersey is more like your standard block, yeah, yeah. lettering. They so they didn't, but it's like, well, I, I mean, I don't know how you do that unless you you have a uniform with the script state, right? On it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They didn't have to do that, but uh, oh yeah. no, oh no, they were fine. Yeah, well, it was acceptable. you know, I, it's getting it's kind of getting silly. Like the one of the biggest things during the week is the is the freaking uniform reveal on twitter these know, days I it's know, like oh, of course they did it right as uh, they're announcing or approving a new athletic director last right i mean i mean literally the board meetings at noon and the reveal of the uniform is at noon and i was wondering i wonder what people are paying more attention to right uh probably uh, the probably jerseys, the uniform the jerseys yeah. for sure for sure uh okay well let's get into that really quickly i don't want to waste too much time this week on our First podcast in forever. Uh, I'm down in Ohio covering some golf, the Solheim Cup. You're going to be down here eventually uh, <laughs> to, point, to, yeah. to see some golf as well. Um, but uh, so I don't want to take too much time. But uh, just on the athletic director front, obviously Bill Beekman um, left his post. Um, quite frankly, thank God. Okay, I mean, uh, you know, look, I'm sure he's a nice guy, um, but a bad hire from the get go. An interim was fine. John Engler had no business making him. The, the full-time athletic director, the guy had no experience with, uh, with athletic administration. Um, and quite frankly, if you ask Bill Bigman, he will admit that like, it's yeah. not, it's not like he tries to hide it. Um, so he steps down, he goes to another post in the president's office. Uh, Michigan state launched a national search, spent $75,000 on a search firm for the search firm to tell him, hire the guy that's next in line. <laughs> uh, Alan Haller, Alan Haller is it Haller? Haller? Haller, I guess, right? Haller. Well, I've always, said, I've always said Haller. He's all never right, corrected we'll go, me. All right, so. all right, we'll go with Haller. Alan Haller uh, has been in Michigan State a long time since his days playing football there. Uh, he was also an MSU cop, right? Uh, and yes. Then, uh, and then yes. joined the athletic administration. Um, he's been an athletic director and waiting for a long time. He actually was, uh, I think, a finalist for the Central he Michigan was. AD job a couple of years yep. ago. Um, so uh, the obvious hire, I mean, they could have gone home run and gone and got the guy from UCLA or, or brought back Dave Heek, you know, from Arizona. You know, he's a former Central Michigan guy and he's fascinating. But uh, Michigan State has a history of promoting from within with the athletic director. And they did, and they did that again. 
Um, no surprise here. And quite frankly, probably a good hire. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, you're right. I know some people want the idea of you got to hire from outside just for the perception of it. But it's it's kind of ignoring that Alan Hale is a pretty qualified candidate, too. Right. I mean, it's, right. it's not like they just hired the guy who's, you know, you know, cleans up the office at night because he's right. been there a long time. You know, I mean, this guy's I mean, he wasn't a finalist at Central Michigan for nothing. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I you're right with Bill Beekman, too. Good dude. But this yeah, was just no it, business it, being an athletic director. No, uh, and I, mean, that's and I could. Job. Yeah. And he yeah. would admit he'd be the first to admit that. Uh, and he, I can. He doesn't hide that. Yeah, and, and I can tell you, too, that it, within the athletic department, for a while, it has been, okay, uh, when, when are we going to get ourselves, you know, someone leading this thing that really uh, should be leading an athletic department? So, right. you know, that it's been coming for a little bit. So, you know, and the whole Tom Izzo thing, there was, as usual at Michigan State, unfortunately, is Tony, as long as you and I have been around it, there's always been infighting and power grabs and all this nonsense between the board and presidents and coach it's it, of course it couldn't be avoided this time again um so there were some uh, some hiccups along the way not not you so know, much I, with not so much with finishing with alan haller but people get bent that they're not involved in the decision making right and well so, you know and good for good for president's family for just saying screw it you know i'm gonna do this and you know what sometimes you just need a president a university president to step up and say i'm gonna hire somebody and the board of the board of trustees like you said as long as we've been around michigan state from my days there in the late 90s to your days there in the late 60s uh, <laughs> i mean uh i mean the the board of trustees they they act like kings and queens on that board i mean that they you know, that they, you know, have everyone has to have a say. It's very political. And of course, the story you're talking about is that they approached Tom Izzo to be interim AD, the board, a couple of board members, um, while Michigan State did a national search. Right. And apparently Stanley didn't want anything to do with that. And I don't blame him because they had an interim AD. <laughs> you yeah. Know, I mean, there's no sense in changing from an interim AD to another interim AD when the process isn't going to take that long anyway. And you probably know who you're going to end up hiring. So I just thought that story was kind of blown out of proportion, and I, I yeah. Izzo, Izzo really didn't care one way or another. It sounded like, like well, I'll do like, it if I need to, and I don't really care if I don't. You know, I mean, he wasn't going to ever be the full time AD, so uh, I just think that story got blown out. I mean, they had the well, candidate. I, yeah, I can I can tell you that it that that grumbling did at least, from what I was been told, get President Stanley to be a little more open. Okay, this is what I'm doing, what I'm looking at. Yeah. You know, so it's like just everybody get a grip here. We're this this is the process. Here's who we're interviewing. You know, so I, I think some of that just stemmed from they didn't people didn't feel like they knew what the hell was going on. Yeah. So but you're right. Yeah. I mean, time is it was never going to be the permanent AD. That's nothing he wants at all. No. So no. Um, but but if, yeah, of course, I mean, he was, you know, if, if he had to to get through, he would do whatever. Right. I mean, right. look, the dude's going to do whatever he can for Michigan State. So um but yeah in, in the end let's the bottom line is even, even when you heard some of the board members kind of voicing their concerns about the process it still came down to pretty much everyone was on the same page with alan haller so um in the end i think they've got they've got a good guy um like you said he's been around a long time um but he's a really engaging guy i think he's really dialed in we talked to him late in the week and he's already you know there, there's no easing into this thing he's He's got plans and ready to go right from the get-go. So um, he was at the football game in, in Northwestern Friday night, and they presented him a jersey. So, you know, everyone's on the same page, it appears, at this point. So we'll see. I mean, the guy's been around. He knows what he's doing. So 
I, 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 I would say I would say that the athletic department now at Michigan State feels a lot better about where they're at now and the direction they're going with Alan Haller. Not that it was like, oh, it's going to crumble with Bill Beekman, but it wasn't, you know what I mean? It wasn't exactly like, hey, we feel oh, great yeah. about, you know, so. I, well, every athletic direct department in a power five institution needs a visionary. Uh, you need someone that, that has visions on, on how to grow, um, grow the department and make it flourish. Mm-hmm. And Beekman, Beekman was a, uh, a babysitter in a way, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, and, and, and quite frankly, he, he was dealt a rough hand. I mean, he, you know, he had to deal with the COVID loss, you know, the COVID stuff and the loss of finances and it ended up costing mm-hmm. Michigan state, a couple of sports and, and swimming and diving. And, um, so, you know, Howard's going to, Howard, Howard, I don't know. <laughs> You're gonna... I, I just, somebody, I, I heard someone call him Holler and anyway, Alan, um, is, uh, you know, he's still got some finance issues to clean up with the department. I mean, COVID still has an impact and still has to, to figure that out. And, uh, but, uh, you definitely feel there's some stability and, you know, you need a visionary, you need a Mark Hollis type, um, you know, to run a department like that and kind of grow the department. So anyway, I don't think the majority of fans care a whole lot about who the athletic director is, but I just wanted to touch on that. Well, um, yeah. And the other thing I'll say real quick, if there's anyone out there like that's still clinging to hope on swimming and diving, um, I don't feel great about it, but I'll say this, Alan Haller is a dude who also was a track and field athlete at Michigan state. And as said, he's always, he, he cherishes his track and field days almost or as much as much or more than his days as a football player. Cause it was just something. So he's got that soft spot for the all the other, the all, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. So he did say he will be discussing it with president Stanley. Now, you know, it's, it's kind of one of those things, the decision's been made, the sport's been discontinued. So it's, you know, what exactly is that? Who knows? But I, I will say he. He, he seems to be someone who's a lot, at least open to, is there a way we can make this happen? I, I don't know if there is, or if there's a real desire from anyone else in the department outside of swimming, but it, it, at least it's something he's going to be open to. I don't, I, I don't, again, you know, what does that really mean? Who knows? But, um, he's, he's a guy that's not just going to brush off these non-revenue sports. Not at all. I mean, they just. He just talked about, you know, the tennis facility, needing to resurface the tennis facility. And it's, he's big on equity. He's like, I understand everyone's not the same. It doesn't necessarily mean a football player needs the same thing as, you know, the, the women's rower. It's like, but there's still equity and fairness and everyone has to have the certain opportunities and abilities to do it. So, you know, if people out there are concerned about that, Alan Haller will definitely be, he will be a champion for those sports, but also knowing what drives the, the, the engine there. Because he was certainly well, yeah. certainly part well, of football. So, well, the reality is, I mean, we all know the reality of football and basketball drive things. Uh, but yeah. if you're you're a Big Ten institution with a budget in the tens of millions of dollars, and uh, uh, and I mean, honestly, there was a lot of sports teams cut uh, from Power Fives over the course of COVID, and COVID was used as a total excuse uh, yeah. to cut a lot of these sports. And I believe that was the case in Michigan State. They're not saving very much money by getting rid of the swimming and diving program. I think it was an easy thing to do, and they finally had an excuse to do it. Um, so, um, you know, we'll see. Um, you know, is what it is. I mean, we all know football and basketball, and, and to a much smaller extent, hockey drive drive the revenue at Michigan State. But uh, I, I certainly don't think that uh, if they kept Michigan State on, it would uh, take much away from the football or the swimming program on. That it would take much away from the football or basketball program. So we'll see how that develops. 
I know the swimmers are still hopeful, but uh, they're running out of time. Um, so, I mean, you know, well, I, I mean, I we, we've started a new school year. I right. Mean, it's, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, there's we'll the see. chances of competing this year are essentially right. gone. So, yeah. yeah, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. He is, he is a non revenue sports guy. So that's, uh, you know, that's good. And that maybe brings some hope to the future of uh, Michigan State swimming and diving. But anyway, um, okay. So next week, Youngstown State back to Spartan Stadium. First game at Spartan Stadium with fans since 2009. That should be fun. Since 2009, 19, 19, <laughs> 19, uh, 2019. Sorry. I'm a little, a little sleep deprived here. Uh, but, uh, we're taping this way earlier than I normally wake up on a Sunday morning. Um, so 2019, hey, you got uh, early tea times there. Pal. I know, you I know, I know. Europe is, uh, thrashing America again this morning. So it's a nice bloodbath yeah, we, down here. We, we need to have a whole, we need to have a whole pot on that. Yeah, yeah. no kidding. Um, Anyway, first uh, it'll be the first game with fans since 2019. Um, we're going to hear some thunderstruck. We're going to hear some loud rumors. No, listen, no. What? Alan Haller said to us on Thursday that there may that there would there are changes to the team entering the stadium. Oh God! Now I don't. He didn't really elaborate, and I kind of didn't really pay attention when he was saying it. Um, but I, I, I mean, there's been people saying for a while we need to change. <laughs> <laughs> what's going on when the football team comes in uh so i don't know if you're gonna hear thunderstruck no i take it back they hired the wrong ad this is ridiculous <laughs> anyway you're gonna hear some music hopefully it's thunderstruck uh and uh it's gonna be loud and it's gonna be cool to see fans back i, mean, I know you got a taste of that yesterday with or friday at, at northwestern but yeah, I'm a sure small the hype, taste. Uh, yeah i'm sure the hype's gonna be a lot larger i mean just seeing michigan stadium yesterday uh, seeing that cool social media video from Virginia Tech, uh, I mean, cool, I guess, in one regard and scary in another. <laughs> but, uh, um, you know, it, it is going to be good to see fans back again. But Youngstown State, that's a noon on Saturday. Um, should be a should be a W, although who knows? I mean, we've seen, you know, yeah. we've seen some surprise losses early in this season, Illinois yesterday, uh, you know, uh, with a with a bad loss. Um, Washington with a loss to an FC, FS, uh, F, what is it, FCS team. There you go. There uh, so, uh, you know, who knows what's going to happen, but Youngstown state, uh, we'll see, uh, we'll see how that goes. And then the big one to look forward to, of course, two weeks from now, Miami down in Miami, Miami got blitzed by Alabama, but you know, who doesn't? Um, right. so, uh, it'll be, uh, good to see just, uh, circling really quickly, Michigan, uh, beat, the. Uh, Beat the hell out of West, uh, Western Michigan yesterday, although Michigan did lose uh, Ronnie Bell, which is kind of scary. Um, so we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens for them. Um, so Western loses, and then uh, Central Michigan loses to Missouri. Eastern Michigan beats some Division Eight school from Pennsylvania, and uh, <laughs> yeah. So that's pretty much the highlights of the weekend. Um, not much more to say. I got to get out to the golf course here pretty quickly. Anything else you want to add about what you saw and what you what to look forward to? What's the injury situation? Anything major on that front? Real quick, the big question for all Michigan State fans is the. I mean, I don't think it can, but because I think they're playing the James Pyatt uh, Victory Tour has gone to like every major golf event uh, in the Midwest. Yeah. I would be surprised not the Solheim, but I think they're playing. He has a tournament. Maybe right, I yeah. Think. Yeah, maybe to maybe today or start. It was up north. Anyway, yeah. the guy's been at every everything. I'm surprised he wasn't. Maybe he was at the Solheim Cup earlier and you missed him. But uh, uh, I, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. James Pye, of course, Michigan State senior won the U.S. Amateur this summer. Uh, and yeah, he's gone everywhere. He was at the Allies. 
America Park and you name it, and he's been there. Um, so, yeah, if he's in town, I'm sure he'll get the little, <laughs> little nod at Spartan Stadium. Uh, pretty cool uh, accomplishment for him. And it's been a crazy cool summer for Michigan golf, and for him in particular, yeah. uh, the run that he has been on. I mean, I had people call – people tell me that it's the best best year uh, for an amateur golfer in Michigan golf history. And there have been some great – great amateurs in in, uh, in michigan golf history over the years so that's pretty uh pretty high praise for for james pyatt the u.s amateur yeah. champion at oakmont last month well yeah it was and i you got to meet nicholas and trevino last week which was cool but right. um getting back real and quick gibby, to football, you got to meet uh, gibby he did meet gibby i was out there for yeah. that as well i felt like i was stalking the guy i was like uh, I know, i'm yeah. tired of running into you this is crazy anyway um <laughs> getting back to uh real quick football before we get out of here the only real significant injury of was like the joiner thing I said. I would assume he's probably in the concussion protocol um, after that hit, and he was basically about the third running back. So all in all, they're pretty healthy out of that. Um, you know, a couple nicks and bruises there, but I, I think they're in decent shape. The interesting thing to watch will be that running back thing because we heard all about Elijah Collins all camp, and the guy didn't touch the field. So um, not that they're dying for a running back the way Kenneth Walker played, but you wonder about that number two guy kind of giving him a break and can Elijah Collins be that guy? Cause Jordan Simmons to me is a dude who takes the ball and runs straight and never cuts. And I don't know, we'll see how that plays out, but, um, you know, Youngstown state will be a kind of a little warm up for Miami. Uh, we'll see if we see a few more guys, but I don't think a Michigan state fan can complain about week one. So they got to be feeling pretty good at this point. Absolutely. I, I Absolutely. can't think of much else. Trying to think what anything else notable. No, no, who cares? I got to get to the golf course, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. Think about it, save it for next week. Um, anyway, you got some stuff coming up for DetroitNews.com today and tomorrow to kind of look back at the weekend that was and look ahead. Big 10, big 10 rankings. Come big on. Big 10 power rankings come out. Yeah. Um, uh, and I guess since we didn't do a preview show, I guess really quickly, we'll just, what was your prediction for their record this season? I said six and six. And I, and I, I'm not changing from that because I, I thought early, I, I think they'll go four and one through these first five games. It's not a, outside of Miami. It's not a tough schedule. Now, the back end is a little bit more difficult. So, um, but I, I really think this team is, they, they got to make a bowl, eh, got to make a bowl game. But I think a bowl game is a realistic expecta- expectation. And then look, if they stay healthy and things break the right way, could they win seven, eight games? Maybe. Um, it's not going to be, they're going to have mean, to beat yeah, some teams, you know, looking, expect them to, but. You're looking at possibly five and one through the first six. Yeah, I, I mean you could. Yeah, yeah but you know it, it'll you be got, tough. Then, late. You, then you got Indiana, Michigan, Purdue, Maryland, Ohio State, Penn State. Tough well, that, and yeah, and that and then by the way, this is all on preseason expectations. And if anyone right. watched Iowa, Iowa, Indiana last night or yesterday, Indiana looked awful. I mean, and flat Iowa, out awful. Well, and Iowa looked good, so you got to take that with which yeah. which was it, you know? So um, you don't really know. Um, which it was. Michigan looked great, but it was Western. Uh, yeah. And they lost Ronnie Bell, probably for the year. I don't, that's my yeah. guess. I don't want to break any news here. I don't know for sure, but it looked bad. Um, and so it was him that's a problem. Um, so it'll be interesting. I like I like seven and five. I think seven and five is realistic. I think that's the they can get there. Uh, it's going to be about staying healthy. I mean, they stay healthy. You know, I yeah. think they, you know, and I think they got a chance to pick off something against a, against an elite team. So uh, let me let me say this too as my bold prediction: If Michigan State wins seven eight games, the way Mel Tucker's already recruiting, win seven eight games, and Michigan continues to struggle, 
continues to have their same issues. They win six games. Uh, I'm just saying Mel Tucker could turn the momentum of this thing way faster than anybody thought. I mean, you're, oh, when you, when yeah. you combine, when you combine it with the recruiting, I mean, he's getting guys in Michigan. Now he's getting guys who are considering Michigan. That didn't happen before. I don't even through Mark D'Antonio's best stretches. Most guys who came down to Michigan or Michigan state were picking Michigan. I, I don't know. May that's a, that's kind of a bold out there. We'll see how it goes. But he has a potential to really start to turn this thing. Yeah, and that's not always just relative to Michigan. I don't mean that, but I'm that's more of a recruiting thing. But he has he has the potential to get this thing going fast. And yeah. we'll see. Maybe I'm overreacting to one game and in a few well, weeks. It was, it, was, it was an impressive game. Uh, the problem, again, we talked about it. This, you know, it's not the Northwestern team from last year. If there's a team in the Big Ten that lost it more talent than Northwestern, I'm not sure yeah. that there, I'm not sure there is one. So, um, so, you know, we'll see, uh, Miami's going to be a good, a good test in two weeks, uh, down in, uh, down in Miami gardens. So we'll see how that goes. Um, by the way, uh, speaking of Michigan, Michigan state and recruiting, did you see Ladarius Jefferson's touchdown against Michigan yesterday? <laughs> yeah. and, and, and he, he does the, the Paul Bunyan, Bunyan, the Paul Bunyan pose. And people are like, uh, you don't play for Michigan state anymore, but okay. <laughs> but it was, it was kind of funny. Uh, but, it was uh, funny. It was funny. Yeah, he's a, he's a weapon for that. Uh, that Western team's got a pretty good offense. Uh, I know that they got shut down a little bit. They lost the receivers too. Uh, but uh, anyway, um, check out Matt's stuff at trade He's got a preview com- or a review coming and a preview coming and, Big Ten power rankings, we all love those. He always gets them wrong every week. You know, doesn't doesn't fail. He always gets them I, wrong. Without I fail. particular, I particularly enjoy coming on each week and you telling me how. Yeah, I've they're got always them wrong, they're so, always yeah. terrible. They're always terrible. I mean, yeah. I think he had like uh, Indiana ranked number one last week. It was really bad. No. It was really bad. Anyway, uh, so let's just, say yeah. this is just your chance to defend PJ Fleck every week. So. You know. Hey, Minnesota looked pretty good. I mean, I didn't, you know, look, they lost to Ohio State, but they look pretty good. So watch out. Um, they might be all right <laughs> this year. Anyway, you can check him out on Twitter at Matt Schreiber. You can check me out on Twitter at Tony Paul 1984. Uh, and also check out our golf coverage because we're covering the Solheim Cup down in Toledo, the biggest event in women's golf. Team USA heavily favored is not looking like heavily favored anymore. Uh, but the, that's going on. Matt's going to join me down here tomorrow. So check that out and be sure to check out all our coverage, college football wise, Wojo's pigskins picks. I mean, he's writing with a, with a broken, broken arm. I mean, this guy, I mean, he's Wojo's so dedicated with a broken arm. He's still hammering out his jokes. Yeah. Don't, and, don't uh, question, don't question his toughness. I mean, no, I... no. And Angelique, of course, with all the Michigan coverage. And uh, so check out DetroitNews.com all season long. We'll hopefully be doing these podcasts every week, you know, uh, yeah, unless we don't. And so, um, yeah, so check them out. Uh, Matt, we'll see you down in Toledo pretty soon. Uh, you got anything got else it. other than that? See you later. That's it. Bye, folks. Right, Bye.